0: and welcome back to the basic bible podcast i'm your host kevin thompson and i want to start off today with just a a little anecdote uh going back probably about five years ago i got a call from uh my mentor my former pastor uh some of you know bob bixby and he said kevin there's something I've, i've got to talk to you about and um several of us were on the call i think actually i think it was a Vox. um if you remember that that old app and uh So we were there and we wanted to know what, if you know, Bob, you know, he's a, he's a very deep thinker, very intellectual. And I thought we were going to get some sort of great, uh, theological discussion on some topic. I thought he was just going to blow me away. And instead he, he told all of us, I I need to talk to you about something that you need in your life and you don't realize it. And you're going to laugh at me for saying it, but you need a friend. Hmm. (laughs) I thought, okay, um, yeah, that's not what I was expecting this conversation to be about. I need a friend. Um, I don't know what he meant by that. But he said, no, you, you, you need, trust me, and I, I've been developing this, um, uh, several friendships, and, and you need a friend. You don't need just merely a, uh, a spouse or a ministry partner or co-worker. You need an actual friend, and you need to develop a true, genuine friendship, not just a a superficial friendliness with somebody. I just remember thinking, what am I in like 10th grade or something? Uh, This is, this is ridiculous. Why? I I don't need a friend. I've I've got plenty of people I'm friendly with. I've I've got a family. Uh, But I I decided, you know, uh, Bob has not steered me wrong in the past. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And that's why I decided to reach out to a few guys and uh, I'm hoping our, our guest isn't going to disconnect after I say this. Uh, I decided we are going to take a road trip and me being me, the number one place I had in mind was Huntington, Indiana, the Dan Quayle Vice Presidential Museum. And so I thought, who in the world would ever? So this is how, um, listeners, if you and you might even remember this story. This is how Ray Jewell and I developed our friendship, which eventually spawned this podcast. Uh, and I, it was true. I didn't realize what I was missing until I had it. And then it yeah, this is a guy who, first off, does take some pressure off my family that they don't need to hear every little story I have to tell. Um, and it was somebody I, I could open up to. That's been a, a mutually beneficial friendship. And it has been such a great source of encouragement. But it never occurred to me that I even needed it. Mm. And even today, it's awkward even talking about this subject of friendship. So I invited on the podcast um uh uh, someone who's been on the podcast before and that's pastor josh tice uh from uh, las vegas nevada josh welcome back to our podcast
1: Hey man it's so great to be with you kevin um and the basic bible podcast i'm i'm thrilled to be back i'm passionate passionate about the topic that you want to discuss and that is the need for friendships in the lives of the men and women and teenagers that may be hearing this podcast Uh, it's so ingrained in my um, my psyche over the last five years that i've written this book called the quest for friendship that really delves deep into the practical need for friendship and the journey to friendship yeah. that each of us must must go on
0: okay so i'm gonna ask just start off you said you're thrilled to be back do you remember being
1: here before i do i remember doing okay. the podcast i was one of your earliest episodes if i'm not if i'm not uh, yes mistaken. yes you were what what was it that we talked about that's what i'm I'm trying to remember we talked about fundamentalism oh okay that makes sense yeah okay, okay. that's right because that was both of our backgrounds right All Right. All right, so you've written this new book. It's coming out
0: uh, by the time this year, comes out on Tuesday, March 23rd. Am I, am I correct on that?
1: Correct, yeah. Tuesday, okay. March 23rd. Mm-hmm.
0: And so uh, this this will be the day before, if you're listening, uh, the day we uh, post this podcast. And I'm sure you all do. As soon as you see that little thing on your phone light up, you immediately download the podcast and listen to it first thing. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious as to, uh, was there a journey that led to this book? Was there Was there something that's, you know, I need to write about this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There was a moment, um, in counseling probably that took place about five years ago. One of the things that I'm passionate about in my local church ministry, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a pastor in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I do quite a bit of counseling. I like counseling. I like the one-on-one dynamic. I don't pretend to be a therapist, a a psychologist, a psychiatrist, just a pastor with a Bible. And I, and I just want to help. And so a lot of times my um, counseling sessions end with referrals to people who know what they're talking about. Right. So, but in my life, um, I do like to help people um, spiritually and uh, get to a place emotionally and spiritually where, where, where they need to be, give them the best Bible counsel I can. And I was having this conversation with one specific man. And I asked a question that I had never been trained to ask that we were not trained to ask in school and seminary. Um, we were trained to never, never act surprised to always kind of just go with the flow, whatever the guy has to say, whatever the woman has to say, kind of say, okay, and next and, and next and, and continue the conversation to the point where we could actually help the individual. Well, uh, for some reason, I asked a question that I had not been trained to ask. And that is, do you have a friend that you can talk to about this to which you replied immediately? "Uh, What do you mean? And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? Um, Do you have a friend? Like, who do you have? A coworker, a neighbor, a relative, an old friend from high school, somebody that's really close to you, somebody you can call and talk to about this issue. Because I feel like a friend might be able to help you really diagnose what's going on here. And I'll never forget his response. His eyes went down to the right, and he just paused. Almost as if um, he was a computer or an Android, and I had broken him somehow. Somehow. He didn't know yeah. how to answer that. I thought, well, this is really interesting. And so I began to, in casual conversation and in counseling, intentionally ask this question to mostly men, mostly men. Every time I had the opportunity, I would ask them. I'd say, I would squarely look them in the eye. I would stop. I would say, hey, can I ask you a question? Sure, yeah. Yeah. I said, do you have a friend that you could talk to about your hopes, dreams, fears, concerns, problems that you can go to about anything at any time? The person you call at three o'clock in the morning when you're struggling with temptation, the person that you call when you need help moving stuff out of your garage. Do you have somebody like that? And I don't want to give the impression that nobody said yes to that. There were many people that said yes, but I'm telling you the vast majority by far, maybe up to 80, 90% of men did exactly the same thing. They would lower their eyes and they would look to the right or look to the left and say, "Um... and and, and I I came to this realization, men, especially in our society have begun to lack the value and the virtue of friendship, um, which is shocking around the world. Um, But I would say, especially in our own uh, Western culture, the, the modern American man does not have the relationships that he once had and doesn't understand what he's missing. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly the, the experience I went through. Why do you think that is? Why, why is it now? Because it hasn't always been this way, I don't think. And we were kind of talking beforehand, uh, but that hasn't all, What is it about our culture that drives us uh, almost away from friendship?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I two, a couple things. I don't talk about this in the book, but I do have uh, a few thoughts. Um, number one, I think I think it's been difficult for men in our society. We've been told what masculinity is. Yeah. Masculinity is is not vulnerability. You cannot be vulnerable about your real needs. You cannot be vulnerable about your real desires. Um, if you're struggling, suck it up. And if yeah. you don't suck it up, well, we question your masculinity. And so I think there is something there. I also think that there is a rise over the last 50 to 70 years in the value of romance. Romance is a beautiful thing. Romance is discussed quite a bit in scripture. Um, We understand the value of romance, uh, but we also understand in scripture the value of friendship. And I think what we've seen with the rise of pop music, uh, which I'm not against, uh, with the rise of movies, which trust me, I'm not against, I love my movies. Um, But there has been a high-emphasized value of romance over friendship. And what you'll do in Western literature, if you go back in English literature, you'll find a great value of romance, yes, but almost on an equal plane of friendship. These These were equal values, and I do not see that today. So I think a lot of our art, I think a lot of our literature... I think a lot of our movies today have have led to the decreased value of friendship. And then let me go back to the concept of masculinity because I don't address this in the book, but I do think it's important. Um, I, I do think with the rise of, um, of and the prevalence of homosexuality in the United States and in Western culture as a whole, it has allowed men, um, it has is, it is required some men to be so concerned about their masculinity being questioned that they don't pursue platonic masculine relationships for fear of being called gay. Um, I remember I traveled to India probably about eight or nine years ago now. And when I was in India with my wife, I noticed something that was extremely awkward to my Western eyes. And that was uh, men, elderly men, men in their fifties and sixties walking down the street, holding hands together. (laughs) <laughs> and I well, thought, this, this is well that's weird, you know, and as a, mm-hmm. as a teenage boy that grew up in, in Las Vegas, Nevada in the Western American culture in the 80's and 90s, obviously this was rife for jokes. And so I began joking about it until one of the native pastors who understood Western culture pulled me aside and, 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 and uh, didn't really rebuke me, but kind of explained to me what was going on. He said, you know, in the East, it's not uncommon at all. What is very uncommon is for men and women to show physical affection in public, but it's not uncommon at all for uh, for men to show affection in public. Um, we know in the Middle East, it's not uncommon for men to grab each other in an emotion, kiss you on the cheek. If you've ever had a friend like I had from Egypt, a man, uh, elderly man, he'd love to come in on Sundays and kiss me on the cheek. And I think, please stop it. Your beard is itching me, right? <laughs> And, uh, and this is not uncommon in other societies, in other cultures. Um, these two men, and he said, you see those two men walking down the streets? Those two men have probably been friends since they were in grade school together. And they are dear friends, and they won't separate from one another until their death. They're very good friends. So what happens in the West? Why would we not want to be walking down the street holding hands with another man? Why would we not, at 17 years old, be close Uh, like David was to Jonathan, the Bible says, loved each other more than the love of any woman. And the rise of the prevalence and the validation of homosexuality within a Western culture, even if you don't have a religious background, but might be naturally opposed in your own sense sense to homosexuality, I don't want to be classified as that. So I'm going to resist, I'm going to push back on platonic masculine friendship at an intimate level, lest I I fear being called uh, homosexual, so I think there's something to that. I have not written on that, but I do think that there's something to that. Well, let's get back to the book. Um, in the book, you talk about the need for friendship. You even talk about how to cultivate
0: those friendships, different levels of friendships. Um, and, and I'm kind of going on different things that you you've talked about online. Uh, because even though I am the big media mogul, I I am. I didn't get a you know advanced copy of the book. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a <laughs> I knew it was going to come up. So I didn't get that. I, um, I, you know, look, that's on me, bro. <laughs> I, I need to send you a copy now. Well, I've ordered, I've ordered my copy, so, so it's coming up, uh, hopefully. okay. Good. Um, good. If it were signed, that would be better, but
1: I, I don't know. It's happening. It's happening. Okay. Uh,
0: but anyway, so uh, you, you talked about, and this was an interesting um, phrase you came up with, uh, talk to us about Legos
1: and friendship. Yeah. So uh, I have a chapter in the book called um, Know Your Own Lego, uh, what, what do I mean by that? A lot of times people think, okay, I don't I don't need more friends or what kind of friends do I, am I looking for?" And, and a lot of times the question of personality will rise up. My personality is introverted. My per, your personality is extroverted, so therefore you need a lot of friends and I, I may not need a lot of friends. Yet in reality, these two different personality types often truly misunderstand one another. The extrovert thinks of the introvert and thinks, you really need friends like I do. You need a thousand people to connect with. The introvert looks at the extrovert and thinks, uh, you need to be deep in some of your friendships. You're very shallow. And in fact, the reality is these people just view and relate with people differently. Both are okay. Neither one is right or wrong. They're just a little bit different. So I talk in that in that chapter a lot about knowing your own Lego. That is, some of us are, are smaller Legos. Um, some Legos can connect to six, eight, or ten people. That's it. I connect to six, eight, 10 Legos, and that's as many Legos as I can connect with. And if I try to connect to a new Lego, I have to remove a Lego in order to do so. This is why sometimes um, introverts or, or those who have our smaller Legos have a really difficult time at going to mass conferences or in mass groups or going to parties. And there's expected to, quote unquote, make friends or a pastor who's extroverted brings on an introvert onto a staff and he's like staff and he's like, make friends with everybody. And the answer is well, we can be friendly with many people and all people. But can I make friends with that many people? I only have so many connectors. So there's a stressful burden. This happens in marriage sometimes. A, a small Lego will marry a big Lego. And the big Lego is so frustrated with the small Lego. Why can't, What? what's wrong with you? <laughs> and the small Lego is frustrated with the big Lego. Why do you want somebody in our home every night? Mm. And so it's important to understand these different perspectives. So the large Lego can connect. You think about the, the large Legos, maybe like the, I remember the plastic green plate that you begin to build uh, the little house and the car on top of, right? I mean, here's hundreds of little connectors and and you know, people like this, they have hundreds uh, of connectors. I've noticed about those, uh, and I I would fall into that category. I notice about those individuals that they can connect with hundreds of people, but a lot of times not at the depth that somebody who has fewer connectors can connect with somebody knowing your own Lego. In that chapter, there's not a lot of judgment. It's just a lot of um, information. It's not a, this is better than that is better. It really is a lot of just know who you are and know what you're looking for. Because you can be an extrovert who is so connected with so many, but you haven't found two or three deep, close, best friends. Or you can be an introvert who lost a good, deep friend and you haven't replaced him. And this is a very, very, Difficult place to be. So at the end of that chapter, we really talk about not only knowing your own Lego, but knowing yourself and do you need one of those key positions filled? Uh,
0: The other thing I want to talk about as as I'm looking at our time, the time is slipping away. Um, But I want to talk about friendship within marriage Um, and and outside of marriage. How does that play out? Uh, You're, you're, you're supposed to marry your best friend, um, but what if you have other friends? You know, I mean, yeah, and, and I know we're we're trying to develop other friends, but it almost seems like, am I saying something negative about my wife if I say I love you, honey, and you're 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 my world and everything? But I want to go hang out with the guys. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I grew up thinking the idea of a girls' night out or guys going bowling together was some kind of a, uh, a, a, a kind of some kind of a commentary on a bad marriage, right? I mean, here's this guy going out on Thursday nights, going bowling with the guys. What's wrong with him? He doesn't love his children. (laughs) Like, well, I like my kids, but after I change their diaper, they're not all that interested in talking about basketball. And so this is problematic. Um, What we find in Scripture and what we find... um, uh, in Western society, and oh boy, we need to find more in Western society and follow the path of Eastern society on this. And that is the development of male male friendships with male and female friendships with females, couples with couples, and and, and more. It, it doesn't mean that you don't have a great relationship with your spouse, but here's the problem: she was never designed to be everything you need socially,
0: yeah,
1: and he was never designed to be everything you need socially. There's only one Messiah. And even that one Messiah, the one who saves you, cannot be your spouse. And even that one Messiah told the disciples in the upper room discourse, he said, he said look, love one another like I have loved you. I'm going away. No longer do I call you servants. I'll call you friends because you know what I'm doing. But now what is my commandment to you? Love one another. By this will all men know you're my disciples. He was saying, you're my friends, but I'm leaving. Now you got to be friends with each other. You have to be supportive of one another. So uh, here's a man and he's like, well, I've invested so much in my wife and my children. And I don't understand why my wife, uh, why our relationship isn't strong right now. Um, or a, a woman will come in and, and she'll talk in counseling and she'll say, I'm, I'm upset with my husband. Why are you upset with your husband? Well, because he doesn't communicate with me. How does he not communicate with you? Well, we're sitting there um, the other night and I was trying to show him my new nail polish and, uh, he just doesn't value this new green nail polish that I, that I bought. And he's over there and he looks kind of sullen and he's trying to be a good husband. He's like, I really try to like nail polish. I mean, I really try to enjoy, like, what are you going to do? The guy's a guy. He's not interested in your nail polish. He's not going to be fascinated by the new, uh, uh, by, by whatever it is that, that is fascinating you at this time. He needs other men to talk to about his new shotgun she needs other women to talk to about whatever she's interested in. We get upset with our wife because she's not interested in the newest Marvel movie or the new Star Wars series, Uh, where she's upset with her husband because he's not interested in whatever stereotypical aspect that the woman might be interested in. And it goes beyond gender and sexuality, it really does. You may find that you're connecting with other women as a woman uh, with things that might be stereotypically masculine, but your husband doesn't like those things. So you might be a a huge basketball fan and your husband likes to stick his nose in books, but you've got a girlfriend who loves to watch basketball. Fantastic. Then watch basketball with your girlfriends. And here's the thing. Your wife and your husband were never designed by God to fulfill all of your social needs, all of your spiritual needs, all of your emotional needs. A well-rounded person has, yes, a strong marriage, but also, of course, relationships outside of the home. And you should invest in those relationships. All right. I've got one last question for you. I don't, again, I, I haven't read the book yet,
0: so I, I don't know if you address it. Um, but I remember s- sitting in uh, Pensacola Christian college, a ministerial seminar. I'm assuming you must've been in there at the same time. Um, and I recall, I can't remember if it was Tassel or somebody else, but they were talking about friendships within ministry. And this particular se- uh, speaker suggested, no, you don't need a friend within your church. That's a dangerous situation. I'm curious, uh, now you, you, now that you, you're on the other side of, of this you're, uh, you're, you've been pastoring now for many years. Um, what is your perspective on that? How about talk to us about the in the friendship?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I have an entire chapter on that near the end called working with friends. Okay. And I talk about co-working with friends, um, in that chapter, uh, I work with some of the dearest friends I have in life, but the reality is our relationship is different than my other friends, right? Um, you don't normally sit down with your friend and say, hey, we need to talk about the fact you keep showing up late. Um, like That never happens with normal friendships. Um, in a lot of normal friendships, you don't sit down and say, okay, let's talk about the fact that you, um, uh, that you haven't been in church for two months. Um, there, there are aspects of friendship that, that do shift, when you are ministering with or to. Uh, So in chapter 12, I talk about working with friends, with teammates specifically. I talk about working with uh, uh, ministering to your friends. And and that's really what your question is. For me, I absolutely believe that you can have friendships with those that you minister to. I think that it's important for the church to understand that that's the way it does work. But I also think it's important for the church to understand that you're human and you're gonna naturally like certain people better than you do others. It doesn't mean I'm going to be less of a pastor to you, but just because we're not best friends doesn't mean I can't be best friends with somebody else in the church. I kind of like them more. (laughs) What? And I write about this in the book. How could you say you like them more? I don't know, because they like things I like, and I like spending time with them. Now, I will shepherd you, and we will be friendly, and I want to be your pastor, but can I be best friends with everybody in the church? No, that's that's um, unnatural for me to pretend to be. But that doesn't mean I can't be best friends with someone in the church, close friends with somebody in the church. And in in one of the chapters, I talk about circles of friendship. And I believe that you can have somebody that you're ministering to in any one of those circles, uh, all the way up to the best friend circle.
0: And and I would just say, just for the record, um, Phil, if you're listening, my pastor, um, I don't need your friendship. You can go (laughs) hang out with other people. And we can anyway, no. Um I figured out about
1: Star Wars, Star Wars. That was great. That was fantastic. I love that. I do right. not need you to talk to me when I'm not at church. Just <laughs> we'll keep professional, okay?
0: Um anyway. Okay, so the name of the book is The Quest for Friendship. And we want you to go and buy a
1: copy. Uh, how do how do we purchase this? Yeah, absolutely. You can go on idea forward slash store how simple is that right i mean we've tried to make it as simple as possible but ideanetwork.church forward slash store and um or you can follow me on social media i'm posting about it all of the time but uh network.church forward slash store and uh, we'll send out a copy to you right away
0: all right so we're gonna put those links on our website and in our show notes as well and check out the idea network we don't really have much time to talk about that but um if you're in ministry if you're a pastor uh check this out it,
1: it, it's great check out some of the uh we uh you got a. do we have an idea night coming up soon yeah up in september there's going to be an idea night an idea night is a night to share ideas that only lasts about two and a half to three hours and it's held uh, nationally um smaller venues you're going to go to a typical idea night you're probably going to see seven to 20 people. Sometimes it's a little more, sometimes it's seven to 10 pastors. And the whole goal of it is to share collaborative ideas, like a collaborative brainstorming session about two specific topics that your host selects. Sometimes it's assimilation or evangelism ideas or, or discipleship concepts, whatever it might be. But that's the, the, the community, what we call it is a community of friends. That's what we're looking for. We're wanting pastors to fellowship for the collaboration of shared ideas but really, more than the shared ideas, we always say the big idea to walk away with is the friendships that are made in these rooms. And we'll promote that when it when it gets closer and share some of those. Again, those are across the country.
0: Um, you, you can find one locally near you. And if not, maybe you'd want to host them. There you go. So, uh, and then someday, Josh, I'm going to get down to the Idea idea
1: Summit in Vegas. Um, it's A lot of fun. on my bucket list. So. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a great time back in January of 2021. And uh, we were a little worried, you know, it wasn't going to happen. And but it it happened. And it was a great, great experience. All right. So check out the Idea Network as well as the book, The Quest for Friendship coming
0: out tomorrow. So go today, click on the link and uh, start reading. All right. Well, thank you, Josh, for for taking the time and and chatting with us here today.
1: No, thanks, Kevin. We appreciate it.
0: I hope you'll come back again sometime. And and you guys will be back next week. Next week, I promise we're going to get back into our series on uh, the five points of Calvinism. And uh, Ray is working on his rebuttal as well. So that's going to be interesting. And then Ray and I will hash it out. And uh, this this is the test of our friendship right here. This is, you know.
1: Isn't it great that you can be friends with people and still disagree slightly on some things?
0: Well, see, that's what I think makes a great friendship is that we could disagree greatly on these things. A hundred percent. yell and argue and spit and holler at each other and then walk away friends. We're not going to be holding hands, but we'll (laughs) we'll, we'll, uh, we'll grab coffee or something together. (laughs) Love it. All right, so check check out our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. You'll find all that information right there. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.